Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you. So please, enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk. Right, hello. Good morning, Living Stones. Good morning, children of God. And welcome to, uh, well, welcome to everybody here, first of all, as you know, my name's Rob and I'm part of the leadership team here at Living Stones, uh, and welcome to the people who listen on the podcast as well. You can't see us, but you can hear us, so hello. Um, last week at communion, I found it very helpful to be reminded that I am a child of God, because it's not something that I necessarily always remember um, very easily all the time and it got me thinking about remembering stuff are people good at remembering anyone good at remembering stuff you look a bit worried I'm not going to ask any questions don't worry yeah exactly what did we do last week can you remember um I know I know, I know I'm bad like I know that uh, constantly on my phone I have reminders pop up for things that I haven't done or I have to write a big list every morning otherwise I'm just going to forget so even though I've got, I've got a big event not the Monday, not this Monday, the Monday after. But if I don't write down every single thing I need to do, I'm not going to get it done and I'm not going to get there. And then there's things like Christmas lists, aren't there? We're going to have to write those. Otherwise, it's going to get to Christmas Eve and I won't have written a Christmas list for Cass. <laughs> I, won't get, I won't have got a present. So it's important to remember these things. And I also realise, as I say, that I forgot my phone, which I need uh, to write, read a passage. So I think it's a useful re- reminder. Last week was a useful reminder that we are children of God. And looking at it this week and reminding myself because I don't although I know that I don't always feel like that in things that I've done or the way that people behave towards me or just things that go on in the world and then coming back to Galatians 3 verse 26 so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. What a promise. What a promise to have. So uh, to start us off, I'm going to pray and then I'll ask Mandy, there's Mandy in her lovely lime colour top. It's a very nice top um, to lead us in in worship, and then we'll have some family time with Justin, and Paul is going to bring us our next talk today on one Peter. Heavenly Father, thank you that we are your children. Thank you that there is a love that we could never possibly know on a human level, and yet it comes through from you, from the heavenly realms. And Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that we all in this chilly weather made an active decision in our hearts with our legs to be here today together to commune together to be in fellowship with each other and most importantly in fellowship with you and lord i pray for this time together that it'll be time of of inspiration maybe of challenge lord you know where we are you know what we need to hear and i pray that the words that come from the front and from within the um from within this hall are the words that each of us needs to hear i ask this in jesus name amen Mandy, over to you. I've got to say, I was going to a worship conference last week, I think it was, at King's. And my most profound piece of worship was actually on the way, walking. It was early in the morning, and I was walking through King um, Hampden Park. 
and it was like the King's Park because all these yellow leaves had fallen onto the floor and the, there was, they were reflecting what tiny light there was in a grey morning and I just felt full of praise to God, our Father. And uh, if we are his children, then that makes him our Father. We're going to start with a version of the Lord's Prayer that will lead us into worship. We're just going to sing Let Heaven Come a few times. And while I do play that, just pray, Father, that our hearts will engage with you. That those, Father, of us that feel disconnected, Father, will take this time, Father, this space to make that connection. Father, we relish your kindness. Father, you are the kindest, most perfect kindness in the world. Father, I thank you that you came after me. I was your foe, Lord. As a a child, even a young person, I was still your foe, Lord. Actively your foe. Didn't know you were coming after me, Lord. I thank you that there's no shadow that you can't light up. I thank you, Father, that there's no mountain that you won't climb up. There's no wall that you can't kick down or lie that you don't tear down, Father. I thank you for your goodness, Lord. And Father, I pray that your goodness in our praises, that we sing about the truth, that that truth, as we sing, Lord, as we worship today, you'll plant the truths in our hearts. Lord, thank you that you don't see what we're wearing, what perfume we've got on, none of those matter to you, Father. What we're having for lunch, none of the things that matter to us sometimes so much matter. You look at the heart. Father, I ask, Father, that you will plant seeds in our heart today to know your goodness, to know your love. Father, I pray that those who are in dark night in here, Father, and those who are in the bright daylight, Father, those who are standing, those who are falling, Father, I pray for all of us, Father, that we will know your love in our hearts, that it will be shed abroad from our hearts. Father, you look on our hearts. And Lord, we can look on each other's hearts, Father, as we worship here together. Not just seeing the outer, Father. Seeing the unspoken, the unsaid, Lord. Seeing the beauty of what you're doing in each other. Of all the mending and building you're doing, Father. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you that we can carry it home. It's not just a time of worship, Father. It's in our hearts. Plant, 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 plant. That things may grow that are godly in our hearts, Father. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you, everybody. Um, we come to family time. I'll ask Justin to come forward in a minute. I've got myself into a slightly awkward situation where I can't remember if we're doing food or animals. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it food? Yeah. Oh, 
in fact, yeah, without further ado, I'll ask Justin. Perhaps he can enlighten us. I feel, I feel like if I say what it is, it will betray some of my own eating habits. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's leave that question hanging. Food or animals, shall we? It's Sunday. And some of you may have been organised this morning and have got your oven on timer to go home to the wonderful smell of cooking. From the tittering in the, in the congregation, I think it's probably like my household there, there'll be no smell uh, <laughs> until you, until, no, no smell, until you get, for the podcast, there's still one household which has got, was that last week's washing up or just last night's washing up? Still to do. Let's use our imagination, shall we? You're going home from church. It's a cold day, and you put the key in the door. You open the door. What roast dinner smell do you want to hit you in the face? We've got beef. Somebody said lamb over here. Chicken. Chloe is just shaking her head. For her, it would be pasta. (laughs) So we've got beef, we've got lamb, we've got chicken. Roast salad. Thank you, Sean. If you're roasting salad in your house, never come into dinner. Um, Roasted peppers. Yeah, for the vegetarians amongst us. Turkey. Here we go, the topical one, turkey. So... There's some interesting meats there. Nobody went, um, at, you know, the waitress end, yeah, well, let's have a nice piece of venison this Sunday or, you know, that end. But we did have the animal slash food that we we're talking about this morning because our themes are food. We had lamb. Lamb is what we're looking at today. Now, a couple of weeks ago, those of you who are here and awake, Ellie did a family time on what? Thomas. Weird animals and honey. No, that was Martin last week. Ah, herbs. We've had it. Was that what you're going to say? Herbs. And we had Mary doing the blind taste test, and Shannon was doing the blind taste test of herbs. But she also gave a recipe that morning for what? No, that was involved in the recipe, but a specific recipe featured in the Bible for what? I have given you the clue in the animal we're talking about. Lamb. She, I was sitting there and she was talking about the herbs and I thought, I wasn't very clever when I put this rotor together because in two weeks' time, I am now going to do exactly what you're talking about. The lamb from Passover. We're given this perfect recipe of how to spit roast a lamb and where the herbs come into it. So I'm not going to go back over that again. But let's look at the significance of that lamb, shall we? They were told that lamb had to be a one-year-old lamb. Perfect. Never had broken a bone. No blemishes on it. Now, these are wild animals. They may be cultivated, but they're wild animals. So they will be out enjoying themselves in the fields and everything else. So to find enough 
perfect lambs with unbroken bones, about a year old, without any blemish in it, that in itself will be a miracle for however many households they needed. But then this lamb was to be sacrificed in a specific way and cooked in a specific way, consumed in a specific way. And anything left was to be dealt with in a specific way, which was to be burnt. Nothing left over. But why a lamb? Couldn't it have been a turkey or a chicken? Well, or quail. <laughs> that came later in the story. Um, lamb actually was one of their most used meats especially for um, festivals and sacrifice purposes in that part of the world. They would eat fish, goat, and lamb. Those of us who like a good piece of beef, we would have been um, out of luck because they were work animals. They were not food animals. So lamb had significance there. But this is the significance in it. That lamb was to be perfect, to be the sacrifice for the firstborn of Israel not to die in that last plague. The significance of this can't be lost on us at all. Because when we come into the New Testament, we are given that perfect picture. This is where it all ties of Jesus being coming the Lamb of God, unblemished by the world, unblemished by human attitude, unblemished by sin. And until that point, perfect, unblemished in the way that he gave everything for us to be sacrificed until there was nothing left for us to accept the free gift of forgiveness and life with God. So, this nice little fluffy white bouncy sheep, on the face of it, to the rest of the world, is just something we see in spring. To those of us of faith, is that pure image of the perfect Saviour who sacrificed himself for us. Jesus. Now, we're coming up to a very important period. I can see two Christmas jumpers, a Christmas hat, a Christmas shirt, and some Christmas cards around this morning. We are approaching Christmas. We're coming into the period of Advent. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. So for those of us who sit there and say, until we get to December, we can't do the countdown, Yes, I fully appreciate there are some people whose birthdays still have got to come before the count can, can happen. And they are boring me, into me with their eyes. And I'll be reminded that when we go out. We can't do Christmas stuff yet, Justin, because it's not our birthdays. But we give Advent candles. We have got Advent candles here for all our families. And for those of you who want some, we've got, I think, uh, 10, 12. Um, we'll have our Advent ring out next week. This first is the period where more than anything our focus should start to come to this point of this perfect gift 
this perfect lamb being sent into our world to rescue us. I do say this every year at this time. Without Christmas, there'll be no Easter. Without Easter, there'll be no point to Christmas. Um, I think sometimes as churches, we can either lose all the joy and the fun of the season or we can lose the message of the season. I firmly believe there's a place for both. So during the joy and fun, try not to be like me and light your Evan candle on the first day and get to the 24th before you blow it out. <laughs> um, Sue <laughs> put out something this week about reading each chapter of Luke across the 24 days. Try, if you're going to do Advent candles, each day, for just the short period of time that this is going to burn. And I think by the time you get down to one to two, it's only about five minutes or so that these take to change one number to the other. That's not long to focus on this perfect lamb who came to save us, the perfect gift at Christmas. Family time. Lamb is not only a food, it's a sign of sacrifice. Thank you. Okay, uh, we will do our... Oh dear. That's a long way down. We'll do our uh, collection. Thomas, could I, oh, look at this. Is that the Polgate Grasshopper's Green? And Amelia, take the giraffe. Jesse, could you take this over to Robert and give it to him to send around? And the children's collection is for the young people that we uh, support in Kabubu in Uganda uh, to ensure they've got um, what they need and, very importantly, uh, education as well for them. Uh, yes, uh, visitors, please don't feel obliged to give. Um, regulars, please do feel obliged to give, if you can. I know a lot of people do give via um, bank transfer, and that's obviously well known. Thomas and Amelia, I think you've completed your task ahead of schedule today. Thank you very much. I'll take that as well. And I think, children, let me pray for you, and then I'll send you out with Justin. Lord, if we're children of God, then that makes our children children of children of God. And yet also they are children of God too. And Lord, the, the fact that the gospel is there for the youngest and the oldest is so important to us, Lord. And Father, as our children go out with Justin today, Lord, would it be a time of, of fun, of enjoyment, but also most importantly, would more of you be revealed to them? and in their little lives as they grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right, let's have a little break for five minutes, and then when we come back, we'll have some notices, and we'll ask Paul to speak to us. Welcome back, everybody. We'll come to the second half of our time together. I'll just do a few notices and then I'll ask uh, Paul to come forward in a moment. So, a few things just to mention before we come to Paul. <laughs> Sorry, Paul, I didn't mean to have you going up and down. You can do the notices if you like. <laughs> I want to give you a proper welcome. We'll, 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 we'll applaud when Paul comes up. Um, so, a few, a few things just to um, 
flag from, well, first of all, from the notice sheet, there's the Monday testimony. Please do find the details um, in there. There's also quite an interesting couple of jobs that have come up at Dalesdown, actually. Um, so worth having a look at those, and if there's somebody you know who might be interested in uh, working at that pretty amazing place, uh, do forward it to them. Um, the festive feast, which you've got the uh, flyers on the table for, um, we're all go for the 16th of December. I think 25, 25, nearly 30 people have signed up now, which is really exciting. Actually, uh, to help Joe with planning, are there any people who are planning to register but haven't yet? I'm looking at you, Kaz. The other, other two, Barry, Sue, yeah. Easily be up around. Well, is that working, Chloe? Oh, it's working. That's better. Um, yeah, it comes on and out, doesn't it? So we should be around 40, that's good. Um, yes, and if people could bring, if people who are coming could bring fairy lights, is that right, Joe? Bring them with them or give them to you ahead of time? You'll need them ahead of time, won't you? Yeah, 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 okay. Uh, bring your Christmas tree, did you say? Well, it's funny you should say that because that was exactly what Joe said. She said, do you think it's realistic that people will bring their Christmas trees? I said, no, Joe, that's crazy. <laughs> and there's Barry. <laughs> Maybe talk to Joe about that. Yeah. Just to flag, um, please do keep an eye on the newsletter over the next couple of weeks. Um, we've got quite a lot going on in December, as usual, not, to, not, not least... Um, are caroling where we go around the streets of, well not of Old Town, mainly of Mockham, uh, and bless the people there with our with our voices. Um, we've got our Christmas service, which is coming up in mid-December, and also special treat this year because Christmas Eve falls on the Sunday. We'll have a Christmas Eve service as usual, and then we'll have our Christmas morning uh, informal fun gathering uh, on Christmas Day. And then final notice from me, uh, Sue, is there lunch today? Is it lamb lamb soup to keep in thing? Is there such thing? Does lamb does lamb soup exist? Be lamb broth, I guess, would it? But I don't know. Anyway, it'll be a big surprise when we get down there. So that will be good. Um, right, Paul. Now here he is. Yes. <laughs> I just pray for you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for Paul. Lord, most of all, thank you for the clarity that he brings to your word. Lord, there's never been a time when I haven't come away from one of his talks with what you wanted to say to me clearly embedded in my mind. And I thank you that you use Paul as a conduit for that. Lord, I pray you'll be with him today. Lord, bless him with the words that he needs to speak to each of us today, through um, your words to us today through him. In Jesus' name, amen. What an introduction. Okay. No. Now, as, as some of you may know, I'm, I'm currently uh, working on uh, a slim self-help book entitled Being Perfect and How I Achieved It. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm... I have to say, I, I'm, I am a little disappointed by your doubt and derision. Uh, I hope to share a few of my top tips. Never mind. Uh, perhaps it would be better to turn to a more reliable book and, and look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 13 to 16. Uh, Chloe, could we have those up, please? 
Thank you. And I wonder if we can read these uh, together. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. Well, this is another of those passages that begins with the word, therefore. Like that wonderful verse in, in Hebrews, do you remember? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we needed to look back at the great cloud of witnesses and see what they were. Uh, and, and here, we just need to, to look back and see why it is that Peter is, is encouraging us to do these things. Uh, and uh, Jeanette shared with us a couple of weeks ago uh, those previous verses, and, and he was talking of, of two groups of people, uh, uh, angels, well, groups of beings, if you like, angels and prophets, uh, who had up to that point in time uh, been searching for understanding uh, about the work of salvation uh, through the death and resurrection of a saviour who hadn't yet come. Uh, it'd been predicted, but they only had partial knowledge. I thought it was, it was so interesting, all the references that Jeanette gave us, Old Testament references to Christ and to the, to the uh, sacrifice that he was going to make to his life. Um, remarkable. Um, but now, Peter says, that saviour's come. His name is Jesus. He is the one sent as a man on earth to die for us. We know him. We've seen him. He is the perfecter and the finisher of the work of salvation. We know what the prophets didn't and the angels longed to. That's how the previous verse finishes. The angels longed to look into these things. Therefore, therefore, and Peter can't help get excited about it. Uh, verse, verse 3, uh, just going, going back um, to verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. I can't, I can't quite match the excitement that Prabhu would get if, if, if he was reading that verse, but you, could, you can imagine that. Peter is, is, is just so excited about it. So therefore, because of this privilege, this honour of being men and women who know how salvation actually works out, we have to respond. We have to live our lives differently. We have to act in ways that show we know we have an inheritance paid for by the death of Christ. And how do we do that? And this is where we get to the, the heart of today's verses. 
First of all, Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Gird up the loins of your mind, the St. James's Version has it. And, and they would be familiar with the long flowing uh, garment, ankle length uh, robes that, that were worn at that time, and that would make running difficult. Um, in, in Kings, we, we read about Elijah girding up his loins and then in the power of the Lord outrunning Ahab who was in a carriage. Um, in and in the NIV, it's translated tucking his cloak into his belt. And a modern equivalent might have us roll up our sleeves. Uh, tighten our belts. In other words, prepare for action. Get rid of the things that might trip you up and make it too uh, difficult to progress. But in our context here, uh, it's referring to our minds, our heads, our thinking, our intelligence. We need to unclutter ourselves of distractions and to focus on God's truths as revealed in the Bible. To use the powers of thought that he's given us, and as Peter says later in this letter, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So we need to know what we believe. We need to be confident in it and to be able to talk to others with courage and conviction. And then he urges us to be self-controlled. And I suppose the first thought that came to my mind was of, of overeating and drinking. But surely it goes wider than that. Being self-controlled is the opposite of being controlled by others. How, how often do we allow ourselves to be carried along on a, a tide of misinformation, of conspiracy theories, of untested and unsubstantiated pseudoscience. It's all around us. Marketing campaigns, crazies that come and go in days, biased news reporting, and so on. Now, I know as individuals, none of us can know all truth. We can't know the truth about everything. But we can be in charge of how we react and how we can we, can we line it up with what we read in, in God's word and what we've learned from other teachers and leaders that we respect? Can we say, I've thought about this and, and it fits in with everything I believe? Or do we say, I've thought about this and it just doesn't make sense with what I know to be true? Let's use our minds. But above all here, Peter is telling us, don't let go of the truth of the gospel. Set your mind fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed, he says. Don't allow yourself to be blown off course, to doubt his word, to be suckered into every passing idea. Remain rooted in the truth of the gospel. You have an inheritance in heaven. Jesus is coming back. And his grace is sufficient for you. And then the next responsibility of those who believe in Jesus, Peter says, is to be obedient. And not just obedient, but obedient as children. 
And it's interesting that uh, the life group last week talked about being children of God and brought that so excitingly to life. We are children of God. We're in a relationship of sonship with the God of the universe. And Jesus died to make that possible. What an awesome thought. How can we do anything else other than seek to know the will of the one who made it all possible and live our lives as he wants us to? That's what Peter's urging us to do in this verse. And now perhaps we come to the most challenging part. But just as he who is holy... Uh, No, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. Can I hear you say fat chance? God is is all holiness that there ever was or is or is to come, all roll into one all the time. How can I possibly aspire to that degree of holiness? I can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. So let's dig a little deeper. First of all, Peter has said, for it is written. And whenever that little phrase occurs, uh, it's always a good idea to see where it's written. what's What's he quoting? Where does it come from? And the reference here is in the book of Leviticus, chapter 11 and verse 44. And it comes within the context of some of the laws uh, regarding what the Israelites were permitted to eat. Uh, And it goes like this, You're not to eat any creature that moves about on the ground, whether it moves on its belly or walks on all fours, sheep, sorry about that, or many feet, it is detestable. Do not make yourselves unclean by means of them, or be made unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy as I am holy. And that's from Leviticus. And that's the reference uh, that, that Peter's using. There are other commands in in the uh, Old Testament that Peter might equally have referenced. We could have suggested to him, uh, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And then a bit further on, we read this. After more regulations about clean and unclean animals, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and have set you apart from the nations to be my own. But, you know, it wasn't just the Israelites that were to be set apart to be holy. If we look elsewhere in the book of Exodus and and Leviticus, we find that quite a lot of things were to be made holy apart from the Israelites themselves. From Exodus, purify the altar by making atonement for it and anoint it to consecrate it, then the altar will be most holy. Hmm. And about the incense to be used in their worship, take spices and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer, 
grind some of it to powder and place it in front of the testimony in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you, it shall be most holy to you. And describing part of the priest's outfit, they made the plate and the sacred diadem out of gold and engraved on it like an inscription on a seal, holy to the Lord. So what's that all about? Does that help our understanding if, if we think of inanimate objects being made holy? Well, I've got a personal story to share here. When I was a boy, I had a lot of sinus infections. And my mother used to make me have inhalations. And she would put some friar's balsam, remember friar's balsam, into a bowl. You pour hot water onto it. I would sit over the bowl, uh, yeah, over, with a head over my towel, and head over my towel, <laughs> towel over my head even, and, and breathe in the steam. And, and the bowl was from her collection of pudding bowls. And so that it didn't get muddled up with the other bowls, it had written on the base, inhalations. And here it is. <laughs> inhalations. And that's the bowl. And in a sense, it was holy. You see, it was dedicated for that special job, separated out, not to be used for anything else. Now, the first reading of uh, Exodus and, and Leviticus, we might, we might see as just being full of, of obsolete rules and regulations about what the Israelites were to eat or what to do if your bull gores the neighbor to death uh, or instructions not to wear clothes made from two different kinds of material and so on and so on, up to 613 different laws. But actually, you know, I, th I don't think it's about all those, those laws at all. I think what these books are all about is how the Israelites were to be holy, separated out, to be special, to be consecrated and, and have a unique role and life, quite distinct from the lives and the practices of the tribes that were surrounding them. In, in the Old Testament, the root meaning of the word holy is sanctified, dedicated, sacred, set apart. So if we are consecrated, devoted to God, then we are by definition holy. Timothy puts it like this, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. It's not our adherence to the rules by being good that qualifies us for the description of holiness, but solely because of his purpose and grace and our recognition of our need for him. The idea behind holiness is not moral purity, but the concept of apartness. And as soon as we recognize and accept the reality of the creator God, his son Jesus and the saving work on the cross and the presence and the help of the Holy Spirit, then we are holy. We're separate. We're set apart. We cannot continue with the same lifestyle 
and ways of thinking that we might have had before. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, says Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. Well, okay. All right, so far. But there's something else working here. Speaking of the sacrifice that Jesus made, the writer of the Hebrews declared, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And these words from the mouth of Jesus himself as part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, if we've got to be perfect as well as holy, then in the words of Fraser in Dad's army, we're all doomed. (laughs) Do we read of one person in the Old or New Testament who was perfect? Even the priests who'd been sanctified, made holy, set apart to serve God, had to make sacrifice for their own sin before making sacrifice for the people. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering of the people, we read in Leviticus. Noah, we read in Genesis, was a righteous man, blameless among the people. Job is described as blameless and upright. Moses, King David, Joseph, Paul in the New Testament, and so many more, all wonderfully used by God for his purposes, all flawed human beings, not one of them perfect. And certainly under the old covenant, the impossibility of sinless perfection was was recognized in the ongoing, repeated sacrifices that were made. And we saw when we looked in Hebrews how Jesus' sacrifice of himself and the new covenant cleared away the need for the endless animal sacrifice and covered the sin of all mankind forever. But does his sacrifice make us perfect? Well, yes, in a sense, it did. And it does. It puts us in the position that nothing we do is unforgivable. Nothing we do can ultimately separate us from God's love and promise of a place in heaven. We are perfect in that God has forgiven all our sin and declared us righteous in his sight. That will never change. But in a sense, it doesn't. How can Paul write in his letter to the Philippians, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Not that I have already obtained all this or have been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which he took hold of me. And he laments in Romans, I have the desire to do good, but I cannot carry it out. The evil I do not want to do, that I do. And if that was true for Paul, how much more true is it for us? We're still flawed human beings, bringing with us all the baggage of our past, our disappointments, our weaknesses, our selfish desires, our sometimes unhealthy thought life, 
How does that all sit with the call to be holy and to be perfect? Well, we've seen that being holy doesn't mean sitting back with a smug grin and a stuck-on halo, so much as recognising that by virtue of our faith in Jesus, we are different, we are set apart, so that God, by his Holy Spirit, can dwell in us and use us for his purposes. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, Paul exhorts us. And the call to be... Yes, that perfection through God's grace is granted at the moment of us admitting our need for him. But it doesn't give us freedom to live our lives in the way that we want, in the way that we did before, indifferent to the directing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, uh, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, has been speaking of an increase of God's grace in proportion to an increase in our sin. If more sin produces more grace, then what shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? It's a nonsense, isn't it? By no means, he says. By no means. We died to sin, how can we live in it anymore? So, let's face it, in and of ourselves, we can never achieve perfection. But what Peter is encouraging us to do is to prepare our minds for action, to be self-controlled, to set our hope on the grace we will receive when Jesus Christ is revealed, and be obedient as children. We are holy, set apart dedicated for God to inhabit us and to use us. His grace has made us perfect in his sight, but also put on us the responsibility to live our lives as fitting vessels containing his Holy Spirit. I want to close with some uh, wonderful verses from Paul's letter to the Colossians. And this is from Colossians chapter 3, and the heading in my Bible is this, Rules for Holy Living. Rules for Holy Living. And I do commend it to you to read the whole chapter when you get home, or this week. It's, it's very readable. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, and it very clearly describes the lifestyle in detail that we should pursue as we respond to Peter's call to be holy, as God is holy. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Amen. Lord, you came and got us. You didn't, you didn't wait. You didn't stumble. You brought us back with you. And Lord, it's difficult. We might try to achieve that that level of perfection, that level of holiness that just can feel so unattainable at times. But Lord, we know as we 
walk with you, we are walking on that path. And we know that whether it's when Jesus comes back or whether when we go to be with him, that that path to perfection will be complete and we will be there being made like Jesus. So Lord, as we go this week, would we be salt and light in our communities, in our friendships, in our relationships? Lord, would we be the people that, although we're set apart, that we will stand up, we will declare truth, we'll declare justice, we'll declare kindness, humility, and we'll always act in grace. Lord, be with us as we go, in Jesus' name. Amen.